This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzow. There is my co-pilot, co-captain Janelle Fasquette. Today is a very special episode for me, a mentor of mine, a family friend. Uh, we're going to get to talk to Chief John Salka. Hi, Chief. How are you today? Thanks for joining us. Good, good, good. How are you? Great to see you. And as I already said, great to see Janelle again. Hello. Good to see you. It's it's like getting the gang back together again. Um, because we all started, uh, you know, at least I started. Chief, you've been writing for 40, 30 years, 30 some years Something now. You've been like doing that. I'm, I'm not really counting, but <laughs> since Harvey. <laughs> Let me just give everybody, if you don't know who Chief John Salka is, you need to A, find out. And, and uh, he's got four different books out. He's a retired battalion chief with FDNY. You've instructed numerous FDNY training programs. You co-authored the FDNY Engine Company Operations Manual. You wrote the book First In, Last Out Leadership Lessons from um, New York Fire Department. You operate a fire command training. You presented and have presented all over the country and uh, you know internationally too, I believe. And now you uh, you go around and and write and present and um, mentor people like myself and. Uh, you and I kind of go back. Uh, you're one of the very first people that were, uh, you know, very influential in, in where I've gotten. Um, we'll tell some of those stories here. But I welcome, Chief. Great to have you Thank on. You. And you have you just Thank you just you. have another Great another new book out. Yes, right. my newest book is uh, the fire scene. It just came out. Well, maybe about six months ago now, and supposedly it's selling very well. I'm very happy with it. As I, as I explained to you, it was one of my little. One of my little COVID projects when the rest of the world was shut down, at least I had something to do. So I sort of I sort of put that book together and, and it actually came out very good. The folks, you know, the folks at Fire Engineering Books do an absolutely amazing bang up job on books. They really do. And uh, I was very beyond happy with the way it came out. But anyway, it's sort of a collection of my articles over the past uh, 17 or 20 years about sort of everything and a little bit of commentary, too. So you sort of have to grit your teeth and suffer through that as well in between <laughs> articles about tools and, and, and operations. Yeah. And it's really a, a combination of, so you've been writing, you know, like we, like we said, probably 30 years, you, you have your own uh, back page of a, of a, one of the magazines and, and have been writing, you know, kind of those, those commentaries for a long time. And you just said a lot of times it's just whatever kind of what, sometimes what gets under your, your skin, or if you, you take a look at what's going on in the fire service and that's kind of where your motivation is for writing those, right? Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes I'm on old school with Rick Lasky and we're talking about something and something comes up and he says something and I'm, I'm taking notes. I write stuff down. Sometimes uh, my buddy, uh, uh, Butch Cobble called me from out in Arizona. He's retired from Jersey city. We're, we're, we're good friends. And we'll get in a conversation about something that he'll have seen and said or done. And I'll write something down. I got, I got these, I got these little pieces of paper all over the place with ideas and notes and titles on them. And, and, but it's something that I got to feel, you know, strong about. Um, obviously some of the stuff is just on tools like the K tool or forcible entry or the Halligan, but some of them are on more, you know, motivational things, you know? So, you know, you've, you've written all of these, these, 
magazines and, and, and books and you have a lot of accolades, but, uh, I got to tell you, you, uh, you've impacted the fire service to a point where you made it above the urinal at fire station number three at MFD with one of your quotes. And, uh, that's got to make you feel pretty good. I think we actually got it here. I, I took a picture of it and, um, do we have it, Janelle? It's, it's, you know, the time that it takes us to gear up, turn out response, stretch lines, start searching is not ours. It belongs to the folks waiting for us to perform. And, you know, we were just talking about that a little bit behind the scenes. I, uh, it makes, it makes total sense, but where did that come from? You know, that's a great, it, it, I don't want to say it's a great quote because it's my quote, but <laughs> it, it really didn't come from me. That's something that I learned from someone else, which is, so is everything else I know. But uh, I was at a conference out on the West Coast, and, and a guy did a presentation about that. It was about the face piece in particular, but but we can expand that concept to everything we do. That's why when the, when the alarm bell goes off and you see guys finishing their sandwich, you're waiting, waiting to hear, you know, is it for the engine? Is it for the truck? And who's it for? That always sort of made my teeth itch, you know? Like every, every moment from the time we get the run, there's people waiting for us. Some of them are waiting for us in a crashed car. Some of them waiting for us in a building on fire. Some of them are waiting for us standing over somebody having a heart attack. So it, it's such a it's such a valid point of view on everything that we do. And I didn't get it from, you know, I, I didn't create that or invent that or come up with that thought. I, I, I got it from a program that I was watching. I thought it was so powerful. I, I wrote that down. And, and that is something close to, you know, uh, to an actual quote. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. And I don't know where they got that from, but I, I, you know, I honestly, I, that's one of the reasons why I started writing. I thought, you know, what, one of the most impactful ways is, is to, you know, if you make it in a, in a magazine, that's always in the toilets and the firehouses. So, you know, guys are looking at it and people are reading it. So, um, I, I just thought that was really cool. And, and, um, I, you know, that's, that's the impact that you're making in the fire service. How many people do you think you've spoken to over the years? Not a clue. Not a clue. I mean, Rick I mean, and I talk, you know, Rick and I talk once or twice a month, pretty much most of the year, one or two months, maybe not. But, uh, and that's several thousand a year, just, just at the seminars, you know, never mind, you know, go to the big ones like firehouse or fire uh, engineering and stuff. So it's, uh, let's just call it thousands. It's, uh, it's nice. Yeah. What's the most gratifying thing that you've, I mean, probably, I mean, being up on above a urinal, that's pretty cool. But like, what's, what's one of the things the you're pretty close to being top of the pile. Yeah. That, that, that big, I must tell you some of the most gratifying things that, uh, that, that I've experienced, uh, you can't see it from here, but they're, they're right there on my desk. I, my, my desk is behind me. I'm on my table here. Um, and I have a drawer. It's not full, but that's the drawer where I put them. Sometimes I get a card. Sometimes I get an email. Sometimes I get something else. Sometimes even a package with a patch in it from somebody who sat through one of my seminars and says, chief, I'm so glad you were here. Uh, you know, I, I've been, you know, I've had the ideas or I've had the, the concepts or the perspectives that, that you came and presented. And, you know, now some other people are looking at it and a great impact. Or sometimes I just say, thank you for turning me around. I was sort of, you know, thinking about what I was going to do. Was I going to stay in the fire service or just keep coming to work every day and going home? But now I'm really pumped up a little bit. Stuff like that inspires me, and I usually save those, and I just stick them in my drawer. What I'm saving them for, I really don't know, but 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 it's like it's like a it's like a secret message from somebody to me saying thank you so much. I I I, I just couldn't throw it away, you know. So I saved them. I probably got a couple hundred in there, you know. 
you look good, Chief. And I, I, I say that because remember the first time we met, and I'm going to tell this story now because, uh, like you said, you don't remember it as much, so I can kind of make it. I might remember I when you say it, but don't ask me to tell the story cold because it's not there. So we we were on a conference, like uh, we were on this committee together to uh, to set up, help set up this conference. And, you know, I was in like sweats because I'm the fitness and health guy and all the other chiefs that were on, um, you know, and, and representatives were all dressed fairly nicely. And so you came in the room and you introduced yourself. Hi, I'm Chief John Soga, which I knew because I had read a lot of your stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of look and, and, and you just said, ah, Aaron, you know, and then we started talking about uh, one of your firefighters had worked had now works with with me in Madison. Yes, yes, yes. For 45 yep. engine. I remember correct. Yes. So we just kind of hit it off. And then you look at me, you go, hey, how do I get a movie on this iPad? <laughs> and I think how you I thought want- I was a you asked me how to get a movie on your iPad. <laughs> well, you just looked like a very intellectual guy, a modern guy that knew how to do that stuff. I tell the story that you think I was the tech guy because I didn't say anything in the in the meetings. But you the are a tech guy, aren't you? I mean, you're a pretty yeah. technical guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was. So, um, so I, was trying to sell my, I was trying to sell my truck. My old. I have a 21 year old pickup truck that I really love, and I was trying to sell it on uh, Facebook. Uh, what is it on Facebook that you uh, Market marketplace? Right. So I had it on there, and I got a couple of hits, and nobody was offering what I wanted. So I wanted to get it off there. So. I waited till I saw my daughter this afternoon and I told her or well, last night, I said, could you please remember that? Uh, she said, yeah. And she took it off for me. I, 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 I have no idea how to do it. You know? Well, so the story goes, I thought you, you know, originally thought I was a tech guy. And then the, the second day of this, we started talking about health and wellness. And, um, that's kind of when the room all shifted and there's a lot that was going on. Cause we, that's where UL started you know, and we'll get into that a little bit about, you know, the path, the, the flow paths. And that's where that was being discussed. But we also really started to to focus on health and wellness. And it was kind of like everybody in the room looked, hey, that's why the guy in sweats is here. And then do you remember you looked at me, you said, I'm a fat blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm I, I really support what you're doing. I'm going to lose 40 pounds. And if you guys are going to focus on health and wellness, I'm going to be there. And sure enough, you, I think you lost like 45 pounds, right? Yep, for that? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and just to thank you, like that really gave me a lot of confidence that I, you know, Hey, I was in the right place and I was doing the right thing. And, um, you know, and you and I've had great conversations and we actually have, so then you also said, Hey, if you're doing these workouts, I'm coming at 6 AM. I'm coming. I'm going to show everybody. I remember going to that. I remember hitting the tire with the, with the, uh, mall. You, you do. So, uh, like that right there. You remember? Yeah, there it is. There it is. There, there you were. Now, I can't remember if that was like six, seven years ago. Um, Don't let anybody tell you that John Salga doesn't have sweats. There they are. There they this are. This one's my and- favorite. This one's my favorite. You swing in that, oh, man, hitting that tire. I love this. And Aaron's, you know, shouting at you, basically. I, and look at him. Was- look at him taking charge and, and watching what's going on and, and, you know, guiding me through that evolution there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we had fun, but uh, but that that whole uh, first interaction that we had means a, a ton to me because I think it, like I said, it kind of helped streamline, uh, you know, where where I was going, and and uh, and I know that you've done that to a lot of other people throughout your career, you know, not not quite to the extent uh, that 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 I did it with you, but um, that's on I, I the mall at uh, at Nashville. Is that correct? That is, yeah, yep, six a.m. 
and uh, yep. and we were out we were out doing our workouts. Chief, but, I uh, want to know how you found the motivation. What was what was your first step yeah. when you said I'm going to do it? What was my first my motivation to do that to do the uh, to do the evolution with him? Just to get in shape in the first place and just make that lifestyle well, you know change. What? I've had this conversation with a million people. I'm 65 years old, you know, compared to to both of you. Um, and the older you get, you know, suddenly you can see the end of the road. Suddenly you say, you know, holy cow, there it is. It's not that far away. You know what I'm saying? So without being dramatic, yeah, you know, sometimes you get to these points in your life where you say, gee, maybe I should, uh, maybe it's time to shake everything up a little bit and get back in shape a little. Because sometimes you're so busy living life that you sort of don't realize you're 5 pounds, 8 pounds, 12 pounds, 10 pounds. 15 pounds. It's very easy to, to be 15 pounds overweight, not not overnight, over three years. You know what I'm saying? And it just gradually happens. And then, gee, my, my 92-year-old father's after me all the time. Hey, it uh, looks like you get a little bit of weight there, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, health is wealth. I said that to you, Aaron, right? Health yes. is wealth. Somebody said that to me once, and I never forgot it. It's so, it's so compared to what lots of other people pay it a lot more attention to, which is money and, and, and property and, and, you know, and stuff and things, you know, at, at another lesson, you and I were in a, at another conference and you had a chance to speak to a bunch of new, uh, they're newly recruits and they were helping with it, with that. And, and you took some time out of your day to just sit down and, and talk to them. And this is, uh, something I always remember. Do you remember, I don't know if you remember this particular thing. It, I, I had asked you that earlier that day, I said, what are two things you would, you know, you kind of regret that you didn't do during your career that you would advise people coming into the fire service to do? And you said, there's two things. You said, one, I wish I would have paid more attention to my family. And two, I wish I would have paid atten more attention to myself, like your own health. And I thought, holy cow, right? Here's this guy who's very accomplished FDNY, been through a lot of fires, been, you know, here he's saying what, you know, I, it, it was just a, it was very impactful. And I watched that presentation to that new, uh, recruit class. You know, do you remember giving that one now? Let me comment first about the other thing. Uh, it, we had a similar uh, experience at firehouse, uh, no, uh, no, uh, fire engineering, Bobby Halton, God rest his soul. And Rich Lasky, uh, Rick Lasky and myself were up in a big room session and we just talked sort of about what's going on in the fire service. It's pretty interesting, pretty fun. And then there's microphones that people come up and sort of shoot, questions at us and a young a young lady came up and said i have a question for chief salta she said you know you're sort of at the the twilight of your career she said a lot of us are at the beginning of our career if you had one thing to advise us just one thing what would it be and my answer immediately was spend more time at home you know and i don't think a lot of people ex ex expected that people expect you to say you know get into the job pour yourself into it and go to every school you can and 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 those are all those are all valid points of view, but the first one, the first measuring stick should be spend more time at home. Because, yeah. and you've heard the the funny story about nobody ever has it printed on their headstone. I should have spent more time at work. You know what I'm saying? Nobody yeah. has that. Everybody at the end of their lives probably wish they spent a little more time with with their kids or their wife or their husband or their family or their parents or whatever. It is. So it's. It's a true statement. Spend more time at home. Spend a little more time with your family. Nobody, it's impossible that anybody could disagree with me on that. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and I think that's what, what was so impactful because I don't think that's what the recruits thought you were going to say either, you know, but it's, no, it is so, I'm sure not. 
Yeah. And it, it is so impactful. And it's great that you're saying it again, because I think a lot of people, I mean, that does make you a better firefighter, does it not? I mean, that balance. You know, all those things make you a better firefighter. Being, you know, Rick Lasky harps on this all the time. He was a fire chief in Louisville, Texas for, you know, 13 or 14 years. He said the most important, the most important decisions, the most important action that a fire chief takes is to hire the right people, hire people that are good quality people that have, have good morals and are honest and hardworking and you won't have trouble. He said, if you hire somebody that you got to wrestle and you got to try and figure out, gee, he's got a couple of little things on his record that we're trying not to look at really. And, uh, but he's supposedly a good guy. And when you have trouble, they, they only get worse as time goes on. They get their trouble forever. So, so that when, when people have good morals and good character, those end up being better firefighters, obviously has a lot to do with the work that we do. And, and, and your line of work, right? Health and fitness, the healthier and more and more fit people that you hire, the better firefighters are going to be as well. So, so those two things that I don't want to say they have nothing, but they're not directly fire service classes, but they're certainly two of the most important things as a person that you could really pay attention to if you want to be a good firefighter. And probably a lot of other things too, but particularly firefighting. Yeah, it transfers not only to you know, the fire ground, it just transfers, you know, being a better parent, being a better, in, in, or in your pace, uh, case, grandparent, because you have four grandchildren now, right? Just have, uh, four, added the four, fourth. Four. Yep. 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 So you're still staying busy doing that. And that's really where, uh, Janelle goes. So how did you guys start your, your like bromance? And I was like, well, you know, chief at the time just looked over and said, Hey, you know, you're a health and wellness guy. I'm not feeling very good about myself. I go out and present. So I'm going to, I'm, I buy into what you, you are doing and, uh, and vice versa. Like, you know, you can really focus on your health, but you also have to add the other components of, you know, understanding fire attack leadership, um, you know, fire scenes, you, you, it's really a, a balance of it. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you kind of represent more of the old school traditions and, there's, there's younger generations. So we need to really encompass all of that. And th these are things that actually you've told me and taught me over the years. And I think that's why, um, you know, people gravitate toward you so much is because I think they, they see that you understand that, you know, but let, let me ask this right, though. You know, and, and you know, this is true. And you know, this is true. Cause when you first met me, I am not, you know, and, and Janelle, you know, you, you probably remember the first time we met or the first couple of times we met through the magazine it's not like I'm Mr. Soft and Cuddly or anything like that. I'm, I'm not a nasty person or anything, but but I'm not like, you know, I'm not a hugger. I'm not, you know, a lot of those things. So if, if I turn out liking you, if, if you and I hit it off like you and I did, you know, it has as much to do with you as, as it has to do with me. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people ask me all the time about, oh, you know, about your friends. You have so many friends. I said, so many friends. I said, I think I have like in the whole world, in the whole world, I think I have five friends. I think I'm friendly with a lot of people. I'm friendly with lots of people that I like and I'm friendly with, but they're not my friends. I could name my friends. And so, so that that's number one. And there's a lot of people that throw that word around friends. Oh, he's my friend. She's my friend. He's my friend. She's my friend. I'm like, how many friends you have? How many friends? Yeah. Not Facebook friends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Real yeah. friends. I know Facebook is like the old man's thing, but I'm on Facebook. And <laughs> so anyway, so with, without, without making a lesson out of that, without making a speech out of that, that that's what's important. And and so I don't, you know, I don't want to say I don't cuddle up to everybody, but, but I don't, but I don't. And, but you were a little bit different than a lot of people that I talked to. You're just a very, you're just a very friendly guy. You're very, uh, I, I don't know what the word is. You're, you're very, you know, you, you listen well and, and you, and you, 
I like old-fashioned stuff like politeness and courtesy and, and, and you know, things like that. And some people just don't fit into that. And if they don't fit into that, then they can just walk on down the hall and talk to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, and I'm not, I'm not being nasty about it. I'm just saying I, I talk and hang out with and become friendly with people that are sort of like me that and do things and say things and, you know, like I do. You know, you don't have to have a crew cut, but, you know. Should I show them? I actually got one. I know, I but I think you do though. I mean, Aaron's got. I do. Yeah. yeah. You've got the Salka haircut going right now. (laughs) I do. It was for it was it was uh, to help motivate. uh, Hey, maybe we should do that at the next show. Maybe we should bring a barber chair in and say, "Get get a Salka haircut, and and we'll donate ten dollars to the National Fall of Firefighters or something." Oh my gosh, that's that's right. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Totally. Give a coin, a coin, and a cut. It'll be easier than a stair climb, you know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, would. it would well that'll prep them that'll be day one you get the cut day two you do the the, the stair climb you know uh well and i think part of it is it i'm not very i'm i always t- say this tell a story I, I i don't i'm not very good firefighter but i really i try to improve every single day and i think you know that's where you and i really talk whether it's fitness or fire or whatever you know through your career what's really motivated you like you you constantly are, are reading or trying or learning like where I mean, you, 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 you went from, you know, frontline firefighter to all the way up to chief, but we talk about like, you constantly are reading, you're constantly trying to, to improve knowledge and, and, and health. And, you know, where's that motivation come from? You know, that's interesting too. I was a firefighter in Titusville, Florida, before I got on a job in the FDNY, I was already on the list and I knew I was going to eventually return, but a friend of mine and myself, we, we went down there and got trained and took that test through the 200 hour class in, in Ocala. You had to get certified. This is back in 77, 77. It's a long time ago in Florida. You had to have a state certificate to be a firefighter. You couldn't just join some fire department. Anyway, um, I was on a job down there and I was in the volunteers even before I left, but I grew up in Long Island. I was in the volunteers. So I was always very into it. Uh, but I knew when I got on a job in the FDMY, it was just, it was just like looking up, you know, looking up at the stage, watching the actors, you know, watching the stars. And, you know, that's how I viewed the FDMY. I knew a couple of people, but not many, but, but they were firefighters, you know, and that, like, like my friend, Chris Delisio, he was one of my, one of my aides. He used to drive me when I was in the 18th battalion and he made, he made Lieutenant Lee retired. He said, being in the FDMY is like being on the Yankees, like playing for the Yankees, you know, and it really is. It's like, it's, it's the big team. It's, it's the big club. It's the big, it's the big dogs, you know, the big horses. And, I knew I wanted to be, I knew I, w- I wanted to be a chief. Matter of fact, I went to my, I think it was my 20 or 30 year reunion several years ago. And the guys were kidding around about it. I had a small class, only 30 people. And I think there was only about 18 or 20 of them there. And the guys were kidding around saying, yeah, we used to call you chief in Proby school. Just your, just the way you conducted yourself and the way you talked about, about what you were going to do on the job. So I know it started early that I had, in, you know, ambitions and and in the FDNY, you got to read and you got to study. It's a pile of books. It's a it's it's literally a four foot pile of three ring binders, tactics and procedures and administrative things. And you got to know everything. I mean, there was probably a hundred thousand pieces of information, and they ask you a hundred questions on a test, and and you got to do well. So we studied for years. Guys like Jay Jonas and, and Ralph Fago and many others. You know, we had a study group. But to make a long story short, just to be into the job, like you're into the job. You know, you happen to be. Your, your 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 specialty, you know, is health and fitness. Mine was more tactical than health and fitness. Everybody, some people have more leadership skills than they do tactical skills. So, 
everybody has their thing that they like, but you know, leaders are readers. I've heard that said many times. You got to keep reading. You got to keep studying and keep improving and doing better. And I'm still in the volunteers where I live. I'm 65 years old. I was on a run about three hours ago, with my helmet, and my coat on, you know, riding in the front seat, which is amusing to the 21 year old kids that are all behind me, you know, but, uh, <laughs> I still like doing it. What's that interaction like with, between you and the, the 21 year olds on the job? You know what? It's interesting. It's very similar to how it was when I was, you know, on the FDNY before I retired. Obviously, I wasn't 65, but I was about 55. And there was still a lot of 20, 21, you know, 21, 22-year-old guys on a job and, and, and older as well. Um, but in particular, in the volunteer firehouse, now I am 65. And these guys are not even 25. They're, they're fully 40 years younger than me. And, I mean, they haven't even been alive for half of my life. But But they're all literally full of, you know, what we say, piss and vinegar. They, they are just so happy to be there. They're so interested in what's going on. We just had a great drill last night on large area search. And no matter what you tell them to do, they do it. They get dressed and they do it. And, and you know, some of them do it better than others. Some of them need a little bit more practice. And it's just great. You know, we call them the kids, you know, not to their face, but we say, how many kids are here tonight, you know? And, you know, they're men. They're 21 years old. They're, they're, they're kids from my perspective, but, but they're all adults. They know what they're doing. They're all very polite and they're all, you know, None of them really look or dress or act like me or have my hair cut or anything like that. But uh, that reminds me of a story I, I tell about, uh, you know, 45 engine. Before I retired, I was sitting in the kitchen one day. And uh, I was sitting in the kitchen one day at shift change. And I forget what time it was. It must have been 4.30, quarter to 5. And the guys start coming through the back door, you know, one at a time. Guys that are going to work the night shift. I was going to continue into the night shift. I was just sitting there drinking a cup of coffee. And a young guy, a young a young kid pops through the back door. And he's a regular assigned to the firehouse there. And he, he's got he's got like a tie-dye T-shirt. It's got the Maltese cross on it. You know, all my Maltese cross T-shirts are just blue with a white Maltese cross like they've always been. But this is more modern. They get those now too, you know. So he had the Maltese cross tie-dye T-shirt. And he had a pair of dungarees. And Lasky always, Lasky always when I tell this story in class, Lasky interrupts and says, Dungarees are jeans, but old guys call them dungarees, you know? So, you know <laughs> Good. Thanks for clarifying. Was, yeah. You know, and it had rips, like the knees were ripped open and the butt was ripped open and like stuff that I would throw away. These kids go and buy, you know, they pay more for the rips, I think. But um, he had flip-flops on. He had some kind of foo-foo juice in his hair. His hair was like pointed up in the middle, like he was going to go do a play somewhere. You know, he had this little Bobby backpack on. It was about, it was about that big on his back. Uh, maybe he would fit a toothbrush and a baseball in there. I'm not sure what he was carrying. But I wouldn't have given this kid a second look on the street. You know, it would have just been some kid walking down. But he walked into the firehouse. Hey, Chief, how you doing? Good, Billy. How are you? You working tonight? Yeah, all right. Good. Maybe we'll get a job. And, and he kept walking. He walked right through. You know, and literally 10, 15 minutes later, he came back down to the kitchen. And he looked just like me. You know, hair, it was, it was, oh, I mentioned, I didn't mention he had an earring and everything. You know, the earring was gone. The hair was all calm. He had his uniform on. And he came walking in to make a cup of coffee. And, and, and I wrote an article years ago about conforming. You know, people, people use the word conforming like it's a threat, like it's, oh, my God, you don't have to conform anymore. But I said, yeah, you do. If you want to work in a firehouse, you have to conform to what we do. This is how we dress. This is how we groom ourselves. This is how we look and talk to each other. You know, whatever you want to do when you go home, whoever you want to hang out with, however you want to dress, whatever you, what kind of language you want to use, that's all fine. But when you come to the firehouse, you got to sort of – you got to sort of conform with the group, you know? And so the point was everybody's a little bit different, you know? And, and, and I am the old school guy still, you know, 
but I get along very well with the guys at the fly. I'm not sure what they say about me, but uh, I like them. I would just say, uh, following up on what you were talking about with your experience with the uh, 20-somethings at the department, what do you say to people who believe that the younger generation is not as motivated as the older generation or they call them entitled? You've heard all the terms, I'm sure, thrown around. What do, you, what do you think about that? You, you know what? That, that's another element. That's another piece of our leadership program that Rick and I do. You know, and we talk about some of these new guys and gals that join the fire service, unlike 20 or 30 or 40 years ago when I joined the fire service, there are a lot of new people joining the fire service that don't know what a Phillips head screwdriver is. They don't know that some gasoline has oil mixed in and some gasoline does not have oil mixed in, depending on the type of motor, right? And, and all sorts of other stuff. And some guys are all upset about it. These young guys, these young guys, these millionaires, yeah, millennials, yeah, millennials, they don't know what they're doing. You know, they don't know what a screwdriver is. They never swung a hammer in their life. And I'm saying... You know what? You're right. But what does that have to do with us? So if they don't know what a Phillips head screwdriver is, guess what? Show them. And we, that's what we do. That's what we do in the FDMY. We bring the new probies down. They might not even get a class on on hand tools at the, at the academy. We bring them down and bring them, bring them to the tool bench and show them this is an open-end wrench. This is a box. This is a Phillips head screwdriver. This is a vice grips. So you know when a lieutenant says, Tommy, get a vice grips. Bring it over here. You, you can perform properly. And and we teach them all the stuff about the gas and about the saws and, and the things that they might not know. And I tell another quick story about that. I said, you know, in the FDNY, we hire guys from lots of places inside the city and, and five or six other counties outside the city, all the way out to Suffolk County. You could have some kid that was born and raised on a farm in Orange County where I live or out in Suffolk County, takes a test, gets on a job, and he could be standing next to a kid that was born and raised in Harlem and lived in a project or lived in a tenement. Now they're both in the same academy. And guess what? They both know different things. The kid that was born and raised in the city, he knows where all the subway stations are. He knows what letters they are, what boroughs they go to. He knows what fire escape goes to the roof, the rear one, not the front one. And that the front windows on a te tenement are bedrooms and the rear windows are the kitchens. And he and the kid from Long Island doesn't even know what a tenement is. But a kid from Long Island knows what a spark plug is. He knows how to start a chainsaw. He knows how to mix gasoline and oil for certain type of motors. And he knows how to handle a tool and a hammer. So everybody has these different skills. And when we get to the firehouse, we got to bring them all up to speed and, and, and give them all all the skills. Whatever it is they happen to be lacking, we got to fill the, fill in the blanks. That's all. Yeah. So the challenge really for the leaders is we got to look at things a little bit differently and say, hey, okay. So instead of saying it's like you're saying, instead of it's that it's, maybe it's not a, a, a them issue, maybe it's an us issue, and together we got to figure this out. You know, we got to train. Oh, it's and maybe. Absolutely, us issue. It's absolutely an us issue. It has nothing to do with them. You should be able to bring a, a guy from South America that can't even speak English. You should be able to drag him into the firehouse and and tell him get dressed in blue clothing, and we should be able to make a fire firefighter out of him. You know? Yeah, yeah. But let me ask I you talk this: about the Marines. You know, two of my sons are Marines. One is still a yeah. Marine. He's a major in the Marine Corps. My other son is now a firefighter in Wichita, Kansas. But but he was a Marine as well. And my younger son, who's now a firefighter, he joined the Marines early, 17. My wife and I had a sign for him. He graduated high school early, and we had actually signed, yes, you can have my son, right? And they took him. Both, both my sons did join. Both of them were enlisted men. And I say this all the time. I said, I had, my, I had my son for 17 years. The Marines had him for 13 weeks, and they fixed him, you know? <laughs> they can do it. It's all about training. It's all about training. Well, you just you had a, a a great quote. Another one that's, that's that I, I've I've heard, I've seen, um, you know, that I wanted to send you. Sometime I saw a picture of it. It's like you know, 
there's no re- every single time you work a shift, you should train. There's no excuse for that. Something, learn something every single. That's really what we're about here at, at Better Every Shift is take every shift to get better, to learn something. Um, as far as uh, a new firefighter or even like a new a company officer, you know, like what, where would you tell people to start when you're thinking about training? On the apparatus floor, you go to the rig. There's the rig that you're going to drive out the door on. If you got a brand new firefighter in the engine or the truck, let him pick the compartments. Pick a compartment, open it up, reach in there, grab something, take it out. Here's our drill. What's that? I don't know. Or they do know. Well, how do you use it? I'm not sure. I mean, you could do probably three months worth of drills just walking around your rig. Every drill time, just go to a compartment, open it up, take another item out. Never mind if you're in a rescue or a squad or something that has even even more equipment. And, we, and we've done that at my firehouse, the volunteer firehouse. Some drill nights, the young guy's like, oh, what can we drill on tonight? I said, that's easy. Let's go over to the truck. And we stand next to the truck, and as a crowd, as a group, 5, 10, 15 guys, tell them, okay, somebody, Billy, name something that's in this compartment. It's closed. It's still closed. Billy, name something in this compartment. Uh, a halligan. Okay, good. Tommy, name something else. An axe. Frankie, name something else. And we keep going, 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 see if we can get everything named. And sometimes we open it up. Said, okay, that has the Hallam, there's the axe, there's the salt. Oh, look, we didn't we didn't get that one. We all forgot that that was in here. That's just one night, one compartment. You could do that for like three weeks, you know, doing different compartments. Yeah. Like, Territory too, right? Go to some building that you've never seen before. Or like you were saying before, you know, that that the uh, fire escapes are in the back or, you know, odd numbers are of, of the street are on, you know, north, north and west. And, and you know, that's how Manhattan like that, right? That's how Manhattan is. Yep. Yeah, so there it's you don't have to make it elaborate, but you you owe it to Mr. and Mrs. Smith to train. Just like you owe it to them to get to that uh you know your pre uh, your previous quote, get be ready and and those first couple of minutes of that call are theirs. They're not yours, you know? You know, and, things and that another thing, you know, your specialty, your your health and fitness, right? What what's the um Janelle, what did you call it? Responder, responder readiness or responder health and fitness? What were you talking about before? First responder wellness week coming up in late March. Right. First responder wellness. So it's about first responders, right? So, I mean, what, you know, health and fitness and wellness is all important. And we know it's important personally for us because it's your body and your life and you want to live long and you want to stay healthy and you want to be able to enjoy your time off and, and your retirement. I'm retired 11 years now. It's been a wonderful 11 years, right? But health and fitness is not just for you. It Health and fitness helps you perform your job better, and you're going to be a better firefighter. You're going to stretch hose faster. You're going to put fires out faster. You're going to have more rescues in your department. You're going to put fires out earlier. They're going to go to maybe just be a working fire instead of a second alarm or a third alarm because of your, your health and your fitness as well. So fitness, fitness is great as a personal reward for you. You get personally rewarded for being fit, but you're also, when, we're, when you're a first responder, you're rewarding the folks that we work for too by being fit rather than sometimes you go on YouTube or on the news and you see a guy like, look at that guy. How does he, how does he even get like in the front door of the building? You know what I'm saying? We've all seen that. It sounds terrible. It sounds terrible me saying it, but we all know it's true, you know, and you don't see people like that in the Marines or flying fighter jets, you know what I'm saying? And it's not just weight, but fitness, you know? We've had some great conversations about nutrition, and I, I love the story. Can you tell? I've told it to so many people about the first time your wife came and visited you. You weren't you, yeah. you were just dating. She came and visited you at the firehouse, 
Do you want to tell yes, us? Yes, I was in 34 Engine in Midtown Manhattan, which turns out not to be that far away from where my wife grew up and where her mom still lived. She she was at the time was in college at St. Vincent School of Nursing, father downtown Manhattan, but it still wasn't terribly far away. To make a long story short, if I remember correctly, which is absolutely un, uncertifiable, I don't know if I remember correctly, but um, I don't recall knowing she was coming. I think it was a surprise. So she shows up at my firehouse on the west side of Manhattan. It turns out it's at dinner time, not at dinner time, it, during dinner. The, the, the food is on the table. So, so okay, you got a visitor. I go out there. I'm like, hi, how are you? She says, hi, is it a bad time? No, it's not a bad time. Like I said, we were just we were just dating. We had just met, you know, on St. Patrick's Day. It's another story. But um, so she comes into the kitchen, and they insist on bringing her in and sit down. Would you like something? She's like, no, I already ate. Just stop by to say hi. And, of course, all the firemen were happy to see this beautiful young lady stop in, you know. And I'll never forget we were having uh, uh, pork chops and, like, red cabbage and something else. And and that was that. It was uneventful. She didn't stay long, and, and off she went. And the next time we talked, she said, that was disgusting. I said, what was disgusting? I thought everybody was very polite and very nice. She said, no, the food. Oh, my God. She said, you had enough food on your plate to feed a whole family. You had three gigantic pork chops, a mountain bigger than, like, two softballs full of red cabbage, another mountain of, like, mashed potatoes with gravy, a gigantic cup, like like a, like a quart cup full of whatever you were drinking. She said it was really sort of disgusting, you know. I didn't know what to say, but we still, we and I've told the story a number of times, and she still remembers it very well. And she's right. I mean, we didn't even eat on plates. We ate off of platters. Platters are those large oval plates that you normally put in the middle of a table and people take their pork chop off of it. But in a firehouse, we don't eat off plates. There's not enough room to put a Gavone-sized meal on that. So we have just platters and platters and platters, gigantic platters full of food. And you know what? If you eat on plates, you're going to be healthier than they eat on platters. If you put let, you know what happens? Whatever you put on a plate is what everybody eats. You know, yeah. even at restaurants, yeah. people do it because they just paid good money for it. Come on, we paid good money for that meal. Keep shoving it in instead of just saying, you know what? I feel like I've eaten enough right now. Doesn't really matter what you paid for the meal, right? But so putting less on your plate is always a good tip. And I, there's actually science behind that. I did a, I wound up doing an article about that because you know if you have a platter, you you like you said mentally you think, oh, I I got to fill it, and so in order for me to be full. I got to eat everything on this platter. And then, but if you fill up a smaller plate, you still have that, you know, your brain's telling your body that you're, you get full. So I, it was just funny. Like, uh, I use that, you know, that story and I've told it so many times, but I, I think it's something that's, uh, you know, obviously if somebody's listening, like, Hey, you know, serve on those smaller, those smaller plates called, I call it the Sulka rule of portions in the firehouse. And, uh, that can help you lose some weight. Um, we do something on the show. We we put you in the hot seat and we ask questions. Uh, sometimes some pertain to fire, some pertain to family. We don't know. Uh, we get we we actually like Janelle's mom and my mom watch the show. There are two listeners. I'm kidding, of course. But At like, least no. We know we have two for sure. We have two, three now. Hopefully you'll watch and and so then they they give us ideas and then I, I actually got a couple of ideas from my crew and stuff. So. Uh, we have some hot seat questions for you. Janelle is going to start them off with you. All right, let's start it. Let's keep it light. I want to know what movie makes you laugh the hardest. Right now, what makes me laugh the hardest is watching my grandson, Mateo, who, who we watched like Monday to Friday at the house. He is so funny. He is so, he, 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 
you know, he laugh every time I see him, his light his face lights up as as mine does too. But he does such funny stuff. He's only five months old and he's so aware of his surroundings. We call him the detective. He always is looking around. One person walks in the room and like <clears throat> clears their throat. He turns around, he's looking at him. He's five months old. He he's grabbing stuff with both hands and stuff. Just I just I'd laugh all day long. Who needs a movie when you got a newborn, right? What's that? Who needs a movie to watch when you got a newborn to watch like that, right? Oh my god, movie! Forget it, forget it. My daughter gets home at five thirty, six o'clock. She takes him back. You know, now we have Colleen home with us. You know, my daughter Colleen, she's yep. with us, yep. and so so we always have her. But I I last maybe till nine fifteen, nine thirty, and I'm falling asleep and I go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> they tire you out. Yeah. I, you know, my, my question for you is what's the most memorable call you have with FDNY? Well, other than nine 11. Yeah. I mean, actually, gosh, I get so many memorable calls. So many, so, 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 so many. Um, I, I went to a very interesting call from, from nine 11. I was working and I was down at the pile and I was in the rescue battalion and we got a call for a collapse, a scaffolding collapse in downtown Manhattan. It wasn't very far away. And we got there. Actually, I ended up being in the newspaper. There's a picture of the newspaper. Of the, it was an internal, uh, not a courtyard, but a building that was built that had an area in the middle that was like a gigantic light shaft, but it was gigantic. It wasn't small. It was big. And they had scaffolding going up there because they were replacing all the windows. And the scaffolding collapsed. G gigantic, cataclysmic collapse. Killed three or four guys that were on the scaffolding and some had to be rescued. And, and, I, and I went to that call, not expecting that at all. And it was just... It was like going to a plane crash, which which actually, that was the other one. And I didn't go there. I went there also sort of from 9-11 because I was in the rescue battalion again, and we were back at the rescue battalion quarters in the morning, changing shift. And I was going off duty with a friend of mine, Rich Blattis. There was two du two chiefs on duty every day in the rescue battalion during 9-11 recovery. One would operate at the recovery site for 12 hours. The other one would cover the rest of the city for the rescue battalion job. And then... At 9 p.m., 12 hours into the shift, we would switch. And whoever had the city for the day tour, the day part of the shift would go to the to, to ground zero for the night part and switch off. And we happened to be all back at the firehouse at the 9 o'clock shift change in the morning. And a plane crashed in Queens, a gigantic plane crash in Queens. We thought it was another uh, terrorist event. Oh, sure. Oh, two or 300 people were killed. And we zoomed down to that. And again, it was a plane crash right in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Several houses were on fire, and it was disastrous, but sort of well-coordinated and pretty impressive, you know, operation on, on part of the FDMY. It was very memorable. What about when, uh, when you first got on the job? What was your favorite fireground activity? Did you like going to the roof? Did you like pulling hose line? What was the thing that you really wanted to do tactically? Well, when I first got on a job, I went to 34 engine, which is a tremendous disappointment. It was the slowest engine in Manhattan, which I didn't know. Of course, when I got on a job, I didn't know anybody. I just was a kid from Long Island. I took the test and got hired. So some people went to really busy places. Some people went to mediocre places. I happened to go to a slow place. It wasn't a bad place, but it was a slow place. Very slow. And I was in the engine. So I was pretty much restricted to engine work, which was fine. Um, I didn't do it much because, again, it wasn't a very busy place. It was a fairly stable neighborhood. Uh, I, I might have went to one or two fires. I might have.
But then I did get out of there. I did escape, and I did somehow. And again, I don't remember the details, but I managed after about a year or so to transfer out of 34 engine to 11 truck, which is down on the lower east side of Manhattan, which is a well-known, very, very busy place that I got to. Even busier before I got there, but it was still busy when I got there. And that's where I became a fireman. And I was in a truck. Now I was in a truck company doing roof work and doing forcible entry and doing stuff like that. I always liked the inside, working with the officer and going to the seat of the fire, the apartment or the room that was on fire. The roof firefighter or the outside vent firefighter had great jobs as well, but they were sort of remote from the actual seat of the fire. There was still smoke and, and jobs to do and work to get done, but I always liked being on the inside. Chief, what's one thing you wish, um, or what's, what's one thing people don't, don't know about you that you wish they did? That's interesting. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm a hunter. I don't know if people know I'm a hunter. And that's like, oh, my God, modern, modern society. You're a hunter. and People people be angry about that. But I am. I like the outdoors. I like. I live in the woods. I live in a log house. I'm looking at my house right here. And uh, still not snowing yet. I'm a little pissed off. But um, <laughs> I live in the woods. So I load my rifle up and walk up into the woods and go hunting. Uh, I haven't. I don't think I've. I don't think I've really bagged anything or harvested as they say anything in the last couple of years but i still like going out there i could be out in the woods all day long and and not shoot at anything i could just see different animals and it's still a great day so i'm a bit of an outdoorsman i'm involved in the boy scouts i always was two of my boys were boy scouts my son my son johnny who's my oldest my namesake he lives up in troy he is a my my uh my first grandson my third grandchild oh gosh i can't remember anyway he made eagle scout he was an eagle my, my other son um uh, brian was a boy scout but didn't didn't make make it to eagle scout i was always an assistant scout master i've spent many many summers at scout camp and today i'm still involved in the scouts i am the uh the organizational i forget the exact title they meet in my firehouse my volunteer firehouse we we sponsor a boy scout troop so i'm I'm the I'm the representative for the fire department to the Boy Scout troop, and they come to me all the time to sign up when there's a new scoutmaster coming on or a new scout joining. They always have to run it through me, and I have to sign everything. So most people don't know that I'm still involved in the Boy Scouts. It's a great program. I am an Eagle Scout, by the way. Really? Very yeah. good. I wish I had done that. There's something I did not do when I was younger, and I wish I had played with it. Chief, I, I think we could go on for hours, and I and, uh, – I just uh, thank you for, for everything you do for not only for me, but for the fire service, you know, obviously you are making an impact from above the urinal at station three to, um, you know, connecting with people at conferences. All over. That urinal. <laughs> I do. I do. But I, I honestly think that that's like, it's, that's a pretty cool thing when people respect what enough to put your quotes in places where they know they'll be seen. And, and, um, you know, to make it about that. Not everybody is represented in the urinal. Not everybody gets to have their name in the urinal, at least not nicely, you know? Right, right. There's people that make the urinal, but not for reasons of motivation. It's for something different than that. You know, one last thing that actually Janelle and I really uh, wanted to know is what, what really drives your passion right now? I, I don't think it's anything different than always has. I, I haven't made too many changes in, in, in that realm. Uh, I just love doing it. I, I, I still am interested in it. And I, I was chief in the volunteer fire department until just about a year ago. 
And, you know, my term was over. And now I'm back to being a firefighter wearing a black helmet. Jumping on enjoy that just as much now as I did when I was a 21-year-old guy. So I'll just keep doing it until it's not fun anymore. I've, I've heard a thousand people say that. Um, and some days it's hard. You know, a couple of times the young kids had to help push me up that one step. Sometimes the first step's high to get up on that rig, you know. But yeah. uh, other than that, I'm doing fine. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you, and um, I, hopefully we'll have you on again. Uh, always Absolutely. good to see you. Yeah, thank you so much for, for all you do. And um, Anything for you, Aaron and, and Janelle. Thank you both. Great to see well, you today, Chief. Again, anybody else listening, hopefully you got some stuff from Chief's Wisdom. Uh, and most importantly, what we're all about here at Better Every Shift is for you to learn something, do something, share something to make you and those around you better every shift.